I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of Culture Vulture was brought to you by our mates at Part-Time Rangers. Because why wouldn't you want to save wildlife while you sip? Hello everyone, welcome back to your bona fide favourite. <laughs> what is bona fide even? I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I do not know where you're going with that. Your bona fide favourite comedians, <laughs> Lucy and Liz. Like every week it just steps up a notch. Like, I know. The girls you kind of like, the girls that you, <laughs> the girls you love. You want to pay $10,000 to see. The girls you can't live without. Liv, the other night actually, before mm. we get into the episode... We were at Coco's Cantina. We were. And um, I went up to pay, and, and then the girl that was taking my money was like, hey, um, I don't want to sound creepy, but I listen to Culture Vulture, and I love it. And I, did she come and talk to you? No. And I was like, how the fuck do you know? And she's like, I could hear you. I could hear you. And then I was like, oh, love's over there too. And she was like, yeah, I know. And I was like, OMG, I said, this never happens. It actually does never happen. And I think, like, that's so lovely. But it's also like, fuck, what am I saying no. in public? Okay, because like, I felt I was really off that night. I was so tired. I was a little bit sick. And I was like, oh, my God. I'm not usually like that. Yeah, like, <laughs> this like, isn't me. Yeah, in my head, I was like, this isn't me. And I think I said to her, like, lucky I was nice to you. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's the thing. I mean, like, I like to think we're quite nice whenever we go out, but it's like that added sort of weird pressure, like, as someone listening into your conversation. And just like the fact that we think no one knows who we are, but people will recognize our voices. I know. And it was really nice and really cute, but it made me feel a little bit like, holy dump. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Holy dump. I just got to go shit. (laughs) Holy anxiety out of me. Oh, God. Anyway, Liv, um, what are we talking about today? Today we are talking about the book, Where the Crawdads Sing, but more actually about the author and the kind of real crazy story behind this book because it's just wild. It is. The story behind the story is actually like more exciting than the Than the story itself. itself. Well, actually, I am going to disclaim I haven't read the book yet, but Lucy has and... She's going to kind of run us through that, so we're all good. I've seen the movie, I've read the book, and I had read this story Mm -hmm. behind the book as well. So we are clued up. Liv's dived into the background of it all, which is quite exciting. I actually can't Mm. wait to talk about it because the amount of emails that I got when I said, I'm reading with a crawdad sing last year, every other email was like, Great book, but have you seen this? Great yeah. book, but have you seen this? I'm like, whoa, well, I need to. It's wild. When I was writing the Culture Vulture newsletter for last week, and then because I know that you had put, I think it was one of your recommendations yes. that you were watching, going to watch Where the Crawdads Sing. And then so I was like typing it up to put it on there. And then I was on, I think, Vulture, and I saw that article mm-hmm. um, kind of referencing that actually there's something a bit fucked up behind this plot. And then so I still put it on the recommendation list, but I was like, Apparently there's a story behind yes. the story. I haven't researched this yet, so like 
let me go let me go it. do that yeah and then I text Liv and I was like we need to do this for Culture Vulture because I saw you'd put that in there yeah also how good was Liv's newsletter we've had so many Liv I'm still Aww. yet to fall them on to you so many responses of people loving it you can get this newsletter every Saturday. It's it's basically an extension of this chat, right, Liv? Yeah, absolutely. Just a little bit more context, a little bit more of everything, yeah. basically. Mainly more like recommendations yes. and that so sort of stuff. Shit. Yeah. It's so, so good. Um, and if you're a monthly or an annual Cisco supporter, then you get that every week. And honestly, it's it's actually driven a few of you to come and sign up, which is great to see oh, because lovely the content speaks for itself. Oh, well, thank you, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Liv, what describes your week? What describes my week is being the party therapist. Oh. Yeah. So, Lucy, I think we've actually talked about this quite a few times, and we might have actually talked about it on mic, but... So on Saturday night, I went to this bull that our friends put on every year. And it was really fun. You, like, buy a ticket. There's, like, heaps of people there. Um, And people kind of know that I work for shit you should care about, right? And so, like, (laughs) mainly guys. Like, all of these guys, like, boyfriends of my friends were, like, coming up to me and be like, oh, so, like, you're you're one of the three girls that work at shit you should care about. And then they proceed to, like – it's actually – it's really cute. Oh, okay. But it's, like – they proceed to just ask me my opinion on all of these big world issues or then they just go into, like, their kind of inner workings of their mind to, like, yeah. talk to me about. And, like, all of it's really, really cute. But I was sat there. I think it was, like, three or four different people at this party sat there, like, listening to everything going on in their lives and, like, it's, I don't know. It's it was nice just, that you it's think it's sweet. sweet because I've had the exact same experience but yeah. it's been, like – Kyle Rittenhouse should have, like, <laughs> yeah. wasn't guilty. And, like, what do you think about National Party? <laughs> Literally. And, like, my boss said this to me. What should I do? <laughs> yes, and I'm like, so sorry, I'm actually not here to be your moral, like, compass. Yeah, no, it is. It's, like, the moral compass. And I'm like, I'm glad that you think of us in that way. Like, it's yeah. very flattering. But it's just so funny because it's obviously after people have had a few drinks, they've got yes. all of this shit to offload. And because they're not that close with us, yeah. they feel like it's a safe space to, like, <laughs> go into funny. depth but it was really it was actually really nice I had oh. some really great conversations but it was just really funny like that was literally my night was like talking to people like that and then dancing and that was it I so, love that yeah. well, I'm happy that it was nice and it wasn't like well you think you're this and I no <laughs> yeah. no it wasn't like that which was great like everyone was super respectful but um yeah just really funny how about you Liz what describes your week um what describes my week is well first mainly the past three days um I feel like the opposite of Liv, who has been, to use Belle's word, phoenixing, I would say, <laughs> over the past few days. Just lots of things, exciting things happening, things going right. Had a, had a good past three had days. Had a good past three days. I feel like the Culture Vulture newsletter really just kicked that off with yeah. the good luck you were <laughs> manifesting sure. into the world. And then a few good things happened. But I feel like I've been grounded. Like, if you've been mm. phoenix, I've been grounded in terms of, like, can't get off the ground <laughs> purely because I have this thing and I'm surprised it lasted for two weeks. I can't really hang out with a lot of people for a long period of time or big groups like for more than a few hours. If you meet Lucy IRL, you'll realise that she gives so much energy to everyone she's around and like especially in a big group, it's like Lucy just 
pours herself out, you know, and like it's so amazing for everyone who's socializing with her. But then obviously it's like she has to then go home and like restore her energy because she gives way more than the average person. Yeah, and that's that is exactly what, I, mm. what I'm like. And it's taken years to realize why do I always feel so shit after like a lot of social interaction? Because mm. for some people that fills them up. Yeah, and I love it. But so after two weeks in Sydney with Ruby, it was like constantly no alone time and yes. meeting really cool people but always being that like new version of you where you're like I want to you know be as totally great as I can be and you're not totally comfortable and yeah. you're just like yeah and then we got home and I got sick and like the past the like end of last week trying to write the newsletter in the morning we had all this amazing Cisco work that had to be done and I was just felt like I had to tell Ruby, like, this is shit. This work that I'm producing is so shit. I got home. We had all these social events in the weekend. I didn't want to go. I couldn't go. I went to – it was like Ruby's birthday dinner. And I didn't feel too bad because I'd spent the day with her. But I was like, I need to come. It's her birthday. And I sat there and I just couldn't say a word. At one point, I had to say to the person sitting opposite me, they asked me about the future, like what's happening with Siska and the future of Siska. And I said – I'm sorry, I actually can't have this conversation with you right now. Like, I It's too can't. much. Yeah, yeah, I was just like, I can't give you anything. Oh, my God, it's so fair enough. Lucy and I were, like, at the opposite ends of the table, and I kept looking over to Lucy. <laughs> what was I doing? <laughs> oh, and you were just, like, you were sat there, like, having chats and stuff, but, like, not in typical no, Lucy manner. No, I did not really want to Flo was, like, your bodyguard. I know, I was actually really glad Flo. Yeah. Flo, oi. After the culture vulture, after the person recognised us from culture vulture, Flo yeah. was with me, and Flo was walking out, and then she was like, "I should have said that I'm the uptight one that they always bring." Up. <laughs> I said, "Yes, Flo, that was your chance to shine." <laughs> oh, oh, it was so nice seeing Flo actually. Oh, she's actually so uptight. She's, <laughs> she's so great. Anyway, then I um didn't get out of bed for the whole day on Saturday. Got over my sickness. Didn't turn my phone on all day on Sunday. And then roll around Monday morning, I'm feeling pretty much back to normal. So oh, that's great. Yeah. Sometimes there's nothing better than a day in bed when you oh. just have no pressure, nothing to do. And me and Liv often work on um, opposite mm. like mental health. Like we, we, we definitely do, don't we? We've yeah. been both quite stable for a few months, which yeah. has been really unique. <laughs> really lovely. Really lovely to see. But, yeah. I mean, there's always going to be ups and downs. Yeah, troughs and dips. Peaks and Peaks troughs. And troughs and dips just, yeah, just down. continuously go down. down. <laughs> anyway, Liv, let me bring to you a really quick naughty or nice. Um, this one's quite interesting. I just found out about it today. So the headline is written by me. <laughs> Not from anywhere. <laughs> I just made it up. No, the headline is written by the Swedish Smith over on the end of the table. Julia Michaels deactivates her Twitter after claiming she wrote every fucking song on Sabrina Carpenter's new album. So, this isn't really, that was kind of clickbaity. No, that's exactly what happened, but it's not mm. as bad as it sort of sounds. So, first of all, Liv, I know you know who Julia Michaels yes. is. We actually love. Julia Michaels yeah, around here. Yeah, we have been big fans of Julia Michaels. I mean, she just writes unique songs. Yeah, she just writes really good songs. It yeah. started, our flat loved the song Issues um, when we were just, when we were in uni, actually, mm-hmm. like years ago. But she's actually the songwriter behind, like, so many of our favourite songs. She, not our favourite songs, mm. because I'm starting with Selena Gomez, oh. who I know whose music isn't really either <laughs> Just to be really honest with you, I actually love Selena Gomez as an actress, person, woman, yeah, wonderful. Uh, 
I don't think she can really sing. Mm. And same with Liv. I think that's not a controversial opinion. Yeah. But anyway, (laughs) Julia Michaels and her are really good friends. And Julia Michaels wrote Bad Liar and Lose You to Love Me. She wrote Justin Bieber's Sorry, Ed Sheeran's Dive, a couple of songs for Fifth Harmony. Does she write Ed Sheeran's Dive? Yeah. I didn't realise that. I know. Um, That's the only good song on that fucking yeah, album. <laughs> Literally. Oh, God. When, yeah, go on, let's go out your chair. Yeah, <laughs> sort of, if you want. Um, she wrote some songs for Nick Jonas, like Close with Tove Lowe. Um, and, oh, If the World Was Ending with JP. It's Sachs. like really good pop songs. Yeah. Like they're, they're commercial, but they're easy listening, but they're also like just fucking good. Yeah. And her albums have had some real gems on them, oh. like her own albums. She's also written for like Britney Spears and Linkin Park. Like she has honestly. Written for so many people. Justin mm. Bieber, did I say that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, she's so she's a great songwriter and she's probably more known as a songwriter than an artist herself. But it turns out, obviously, not everyone's into her writing style. You know, we're all different. But a fan of Sabrina Carpenter, who you all know as either from Disney Channel or as a singer or actress in her own right, but maybe as the third person in the Joshua Bassett, Olivia Rodrigo. Sabrina Carpenter Triangle. She just released her new album and a fan of Carpenter's listened to the album and they tweeted that like they really liked the album but they hated the way Julia writes. But then they went on to be like, I really like the album. And then Julia on Twitter responded saying, after this fan had gone on to say, but I do really like the album, Julia said, but I thought you hate the way I write. And FYI, I wrote fucking all of these. So... Julia is credited with co-writing six. Oh, so of the she songs. literally did write. So well, she I literally like, did. I took it as like oh. I like interpolation sort of thing. Like I oh. wrote all of these, but and she put the music she, in there. Without yeah, 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 yeah. No, so she did co-write a lot of these songs. Mm-hmm. But then she replied to this fan like it kind of looked like she'd been hacked. But I don't think she had. She just copied and pasted like I thought you hated the way I write. I thought you hated the way I write. like. You know where people sometimes on Twitter like yeah, they just accidentally do it in the, heat of the moment and like yeah, they get really personal. Yeah, I feel like that's what happened. And then Julia deleted her Twitter account, mm. but then like took to her Instagram story not to address the situation, but just to sort of write like a you know she had a black background, white text, just a bit of an an ode to songwriting. It was kind of random. Um, she was just like. You know, songwriting's my bread and butter. I love it. Like, don't let anyone tell you that you can't. It was kind of not relevant, but kind of relevant. It's all very so weird. so weird because, like, these people, you know, they put out a lot of shit for, like, huge stars. Of course, like, there's going to be comments all the time yeah. that this song's shit. Or, like, I know. Or, I don't like this. It's, so it's really interesting when this one comment comes about. Yeah. And they just can't handle it. I know. Or, like, get super enraged. And, like, yeah, maybe they're at the end of their tether. Yes. Like, absolutely, that's so fair. But it's just, like... Where's the barrier? And that's where Twitter is weird because it takes away that barrier, right? Between yeah. like between the fan consumer and, and like yeah. yeah. But it is really odd seeing behaviour like this. It's kinda like Doja Cat esque. Yes. Like, but like, is something yeah, like yeah. is something going on with you or are you just like you said at the end of your tether? Yeah. Anyway, this story's like not nice, so no. it's obviously naughty, but it kind of if it's a marketing ploy, it's kind of made me want to go and listen true. to Sabrina's album because, like, Only true. now I'm like, what songs did Julia write? I like, I like Julia's yeah. writing style, so maybe I like this. So, anyway, it could be marketing. We, we have to pretty much caveat everything we say with, it could be a PR stunt. <laughs> now, I can't wait to get into the big Where the Crawdads Sing story behind the story, but before we do that, we probably should hear from our wonderful sponsors today. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We are incredibly excited to be working with our mates at Part-Time Rangers once again. Fun fact for you all, Part-Time Rangers were actually our first ever podcast sponsor over on The Shit Show. That was before we were even a proper business. So naturally, we love them. Yes, Luce, we also love that with every sip you take of one of their RTDs, like the pink rhino or the yellow elephant, you're actually saving wildlife. A portion of the proceeds from every can supports wildlife conservation across the globe, which is fucking amazing. So that's from the big tusk elephants and rhinos in Africa to koalas in Australia and kiwi in New Zealand. There's just so much to love about part-time rangers. And honestly, what better way to chill out than by listening to an episode of your favourite pop culture podcast while sipping on a cheeky part-time rangers bevy? I mean, cheers to that, Liv. And to our besties who are over 18, please go and grab yourself some part-time rangers and save the wildlife while you sip. So, Luce, we are going to talk about the best-selling novel, Where the Crawdads Sing. I always thought it was Where the Crawdads Sings. Oh, my God, but Liz, it's I get this wrong every day of my life. Also, I have a copy for it, of it for you in my bag. Oh, Don't perfect. I'm so excited to read it. Like, I, I was naughty and I found a PDF version online, oh. but just to kind of, like, gauge the writing style, yes. I feel. I've, yeah. I've read, like, the first, like, couple of pages. Um but yeah, as I said before, I haven't read the book, but Lucy has, but I've definitely researched into the story behind it mm. a lot, which like you don't actually need to have read the book to no. understand, except for apparent the apparent parallels in the plot. Yeah. And to be honest, I there's definitely parallels in terms of there's a murder in the story behind the story and a murder in the book. And there's like conservation wilderness naturalist things. But it's not like a copy-paste of what happened in real life no. to what happened in the book. Just to make it clear, I think some articles I've read have been like, this they is are... like so close to the original. And I'm like, it, there are like the same sort of themes. Maybe it's based on her life a little bit, but I'm like... Yeah, that's what why I'm so glad you've read the book mm. because that's sort of the gist I got as well. I was like, oh, okay. It's almost like she's outing herself yeah. in the book, which yeah. doesn't which, sound to be true. No, not really. But, I mean, there's definite definite parallels between what happened IRL yeah. and the one part of the book. Oh, my God, for sure. And so I didn't realise how big of a book this was, like how much of a bestseller this book's been. So I've got a couple of, like, kind of stats. So it was... Number one on the Times' latest fiction bestseller list, and it held that spot for 67 weeks um, on the list with 30 weeks at number one. So that's crazy. Um, The president of Codex Group, which analyzes the book industry, has said that this book has defied the new laws of gravity. It's managed to hold its position in a much more consistent way than just about anything. Wow. Um, And then also according to a survey of nearly 4,000 book buyers um, that this company conducted, 
people who had read um, the Where the Crawdads Sing came from a real like political spectrum. So 55% identified as progressive, 35 conservative, and 15% as centrists, which is really unique for books and for any piece of content to have kind of like such a wide array of yeah. people all loving the same thing. Because I was wondering when you was when you said like how long it had been on the list. Like why like it's it is okay it's a great book it's a really really good book it's kind of easy read I feel like it skews more to females definitely Uh because there's some romance bits in there that are told from like a woman's perspective I'm surprised like it's not like the best book I've ever read like it's fucking good but that's amazing amazing but like there must be one like unifying factor or something I was reading some articles saying you know with how we're all obsessed with technology and everything like it's really refreshing to read about kind of being in the wilderness and being off grid and everything so maybe that's one thing about the book and the movie actually is that when I went to watch the movie like I know it's a really good movie but I did not need to watch it because what the movie showed was exactly what I had in my head from the book. So that must be what Delia Owens, the author, does really well. Is like, it was exactly what I'd pictured in my really? head. Like, I can't believe, because I'm not usually that good at imagining books. Yeah. <laughs> I've got no inner monologue. We've been over this. But, like, she's not a visual thinker. No, I'm not a visual thinker, okay? <laughs> Shut up, everyone. <laughs> no, but seriously, Liv. So the movie's good, but if you've read the book, honestly, you don't really have to go and see the movie. It, nothing new happens. Nothing out the gate happens. Nothing gets cut out. Nothing really gets cut out. Nothing major. Because that's so interesting. Like, usually when a book's made into a film, like a two-hour movie, things often get, like, cut out and it's worse. But whereas I found if they get made into TV shows, like Big Little Lies, Mm. I actually liked the TV show better than the book because they added more storylines in which was really cool. So I guess... Maybe they should have made Elvis into a TV series so they could have actually dived in. True, true. <laughs> Throwback to last yeah. week's episode. <laughs> Me still thinking about how the fuck they could have done that a bit better. No, honestly, I've been thinking about that a lot this week. Of course you have. It was the first edition of the Controversial Newsletter, which you should all go and subscribe to. Absolutely was. So yeah, we're more here to talk about Delia Owens, who is the author of this book. I think she's like 17 now. Yes, she's in her 70s. Yeah, and this got published in 20. 18. So she must have been, you know, in her late, late 60s, 60s writing this book. So she has led a very interesting life and has this obvious like wealth of stories mm. and narratives and life in the wilderness that she then could put into this novel, which is really cool. But we're going to kind of see, I don't know, get into the darker side yeah. of Delia and, and the bits that she sort of left out. out. For sure. And it's also funny because she's now becoming really famous because of this story. I mean, she was already famous in her own right, as we'll get into. Mm. But it's so weird how most authors are very anonymous and, like, you don't really search up their personal lives. Like, bar Sally Rooney, it's like, who are the authors do you really. It's only when they have a downfall. I know. Like JK Rowling or Rowling. Yes. Whoever. (laughs) So true. Yeah. So true. So. In the 1970s, Delia and her husband Mark, who's quite a main character in this story, sold all their possessions and moved to one of the most isolated places in Africa to study the animals there. They had both studied, I think it was like zoology Mm. or biology or something at, um, I think it was in Georgia. And 
basically they wanted to go to the most isolated place in Africa so that the animals didn't have any knowledge of humans. So they weren't wow. scared of them and, yeah. you know, they could get a whole lot more data. Um, so they ended up in a place called the Deception Valley. Such a great name. Yeah. Um, in Botswana. And at that point in time, the wildlife hadn't been depleted by poaching. So poaching is a big part of this story. It's basically the entire yeah <laughs> the entire story itself. Um, so then, after a while of like living in this place, they were the only humans. Like they were getting some great knowledge on these animals and building connections and whatever. They later found that poachers were farming wildebeest. Um, for their meat so mm. they came across like this big field where all of these um, wildebeest had been killed yeah and basically because the government of Botswana said to them that this was kind of like too big of an issue to handle they kind of gave it global publicity through like their conservation mm-hmm. work and like through the media that they could get their hands on and all of this shit and because of that they were actually um, banished from Botswana because they were like we're a huge exporter of beef mm. to Europe and so you're like giving us a really bad name because you're saying like oh you know it's all like poaching Poached. and everything yeah. and so then they later moved to a place called the North Luangwa National Park which was in Zambia and basically it was pretty untouched like had all of these hippos and crocodiles um, and all of these mammals that like they were looking to research and then they found that poachers had been killing the elephants because they'd been wondering why aren't we seeing any elephants Mm. all of this poaching was happening and so basically they then decided to take upon themselves to sort of do something about this poaching because like this is a fucking huge issue in Africa and it's actually quite complex because I think it wasn't until like the early 1900s when the British people came you know the only source of protein for people in these places was these animals and Mm -hmm. so they didn't see it as poaching they saw it as like hunting Hunting. for meat you know hunting Mm -hmm. and gathering and then once kind of British people came in it sort of commercialized poaching yeah and because there was this big boom and Classic. like yeah literally right so it's like creating their problems and then we blame their problems yeah, fucking, on them yeah. yeah and come in as this white savior shit to be like we're stopping this from happening um so that was kind of it and then i think commercial poaching got really really bad because people were wanting a whole lot of ivory mm. and so this is why people were hunting elephants poaching elephants so then basically what happened was that the owenses they were in this like they were dedicating their lives to stop this poaching they were doing everything they could so they recruited scouts from zambia to kind of create this like like a little army like a little yeah military Mm. to like stop poachers and they were training them in like hand-to-hand combat they were giving them weapons they were kind of like it sounds like from the articles that we read that mark i don't know whether he got like a bit power crazy with Mm. it but he definitely saw himself as like the leader of this like army and because of the kind of racist values of the day it really sounds like mark and delia they were very white saviorish they were kind of seeing african people as below them yeah and then so they were kind of like ordering about these scouts to To go and kill other black yeah to basically be like if someone's going to shoot you you shoot them first Mm -hmm. sort of thing um it's interesting just here like what started as quite a noble and moral expedition mm -hmm. like over in botswana like Mm -hmm. good on you you're allowed going and studying animals that 
Well, maybe we should have left them alone in the first place, actually. But, I mean, that's a whole other convo. But, it, you know, they weren't there to fuck things up. But no. then... They did really fucking care. They did really care. Animals. But then it turned into quite an amoral, like, very unknowable... Yeah. And just messy situation, and I think... Well, they're fighting fire with fire. I mean, yes. I'm not saying that I know a better way to stop poachers, actually, but it's just interesting that these two, who have remained untouched, are basically putting scouts or, like, mm. black soldiers in there, essentially, to go and fight the battles that for, for like, the reward that they want to yeah, stop poaching. exactly, and then saying that they're not involved when... This shit hits yeah. the fan sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a super complicated yes. story. This is very much just like a kind of brief run through of everything. There's actually a reporter called Jeff Goldberg who is Snaps amazing. Holy shit. He wrote an article in 2010, um, like this huge article, like it will take you It'll a take you so hours long. to get through. Um, but it's really good and it talks about like everything that they did um, in Africa. And then he went back and interviewed people like after what we're about to tell you occurred. So um, that's called The Hunted? So that's called The Hunted. I believe it's in The New Yorker. And we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. It's fucking good It's read. so good. And then he recently, after kind of all of this has come out about her publishing The Crawdad Sing, he has come out and kind of revisited the story for the Atlantic and that's a lot shorter Mm. of an article and gives you much more of a brief overview so I would also really recommend that but basically shit really got messy when the ABC came in came over to Zambia to make a documentary about Delia and Mark and the poaching so this was broadcasted on a show called The Turning Point and it was called Deadly Game The Mark and Delia Owens Story So during this documentary, they were showing them, you know, with the scouts and giving them guns and teaching them combat. But then they also followed them into the wilderness on a kind of like, I don't think they went in to purposefully kill poachers, but they were like looking around to see what was going on. And then if poachers were there, like shit was going to happen, basically. It's like they're hunting the poachers. Yeah, exactly. And so I've just got this kind of like little excerpt from Jeff Goldberg's article because it explains it really well. So this is what you can see when you watch this excerpt of the documentary. Um, On screen, the scout is shown from behind, running through the bush and carrying a rifle. He approaches a man wearing a grey jacket and brown pants, lying prone in a small clearing. The man tries to move, lifting his head a few inches off the ground. The scout, his face blotted out electronically, fires a single shot at him. At this moment, a second figure is seen in the background. His face and upper body are blurred so that even his race is obscured to but he is dressed in green and appears to be carrying a rifle. The camera turns to the wounded man and the voiceover says, the bodies of the poachers are often left where they fall for animals to eat. She pauses and then says, conservation, morality, Africa. (laughs) Which was so weird. And then that's like where the clip ends. Conservation, morality, Africa. Africa. It's just like putting three words together and hoping people find their own meaning. Genuinely. So this is the whole thing, right? We've just shown someone shot on real live TV. And then, like, we're left to to put the pieces together to just be like... So they say that this guy was a poacher. There's actually no evidence that he definitely was a poacher, which is one of the huge issues. And he's remained unidentified. No one's figured out who this guy is still to this day, I don't think. Literally. So it's kind of a bit iffy... 
as to whether this was actually legal, like this whole like poaching, killing thing going on. Um, the Owens kind of said that it was, and then some of the Zambian government said that it wasn't, um, and that that was not to be tolerated. For the Owenses to have started this whole like sort of counter army, mm. you'd think they must have been under the impression that it wasn't illegal. Like, yeah, they wouldn't have. They're not that dumb. I don't think they wouldn't have been doing it right if they were like. Yeah, this is murder every time we shoot someone, but still. Yeah, and then so when this all came out and then even, like, the Owens' supporters in the States were kind of like, what the fuck? Like, this is weird. Yes. And then so they kind of issued statements being like, we weren't involved, Mm. we didn't have anything to do with this or any of, like, other kind of killings that were going on, Um, which is really weird because you literally see them training the scouts and giving the guns. So I'm just... Like, what for, if not? Yeah, exactly, more for, like, self-defense purpose. But it's really interesting because Jeff Goldberg, this journalist, went and interviewed the cameraman behind this documentary And this guy said that it was actually not a Zambian game scout that killed the poacher. It was allegedly Christopher Owens who fired the fatal shots, who is the stepson of Delia Owens and Mark Owens' natural son. Yes. So he was over there and helping train them and everything. And so that's what the cameraman says, but also the cameraman has never come out to authorities to mm-hmm. to say this um, because he said that it isn't his place and basically just didn't want to get involved. Mm-hmm. So basically the Zambian government are really, really fucked off about this happening, yeah. fair enough, and they still want the Owens is in for questioning and yeah. this is still like an open case because the what is it like the statute of limitations yeah there's, there's none for murder yeah there's none for murder there's no statute of limitations for murder which means like this case will be open forever sort of thing um so it's really really weird because then Delia Owens has gone and written a book about a murder yeah and and then like Spoiler alert, it'll literally turn this off right now if you don't want to know what happens in the book. I'm going to give you a second. So what happens in the book is essentially there's this big murder case that runs throughout at least the second half of the book and the whole way through the movie. And it's about the Marsh girl, Kaya Clark, and whether she killed this guy who, whether he deserved it or not, I'll leave you to decide, but he definitely did, um, whether or not she pushed him off this thing. And Mm -hmm. then she's found not guilty Mm -hmm. at the very end of the book. It comes out that she did do it, but it's all sort of fine. And that's like Delia Owens. It's like killing for a moral kind of basis, I guess. Yes, it's exactly. That is where the parallels to the book are really interesting. And it's just so interesting that she wrote a book about that when she's still wanted for questioning in Zambia. Like, she must feel really protected to be able to do that. Oh, she must. Well, I think a few things probably make her feel protected is that, I mean, they were told to flee and never return Mm -hmm. to Africa, and they won't. Mm -hmm. So they probably think they're fine. No charges have been brought against them because they haven't even done questioning. So they're, like, legally, I think, low-key Gucci, which is fucked. And then every time they get questioned... They just do a one-sentence answer that, like, no, that didn't happen or I won't be talking about that or if you're talking about my stepson, direct it to me. Yeah, because he's trying to get his life back on track or something. And then did you see they had to cancel a whole bunch of, like, movie Mm. interviews because this started, obviously, 
When Reese Witherspoon buys the rights to your book to turn it into this fucking blockbuster, it's going to come back up for yeah. interviews. And then they just, it got brought up in one interview and then they cut the rest of the interviews. Like, like what did they think? This is the really interesting part of it, isn't it? It's like, Reese Witherspoon is a smart lady. Like, th- this whole team, they would have had to do some sort of research on Delia Owens. And, and like, they would have. And then look at us talking about it now. It's yeah. great, great publicity. True. Reese Witherspoon is a smart lady. True, because it actually it makes you want to go and watch it, doesn't it? A hundred percent. And then I was saying Taylor Swift got a bit of... Um, backlash for writing a song for this movie. I think that's a bit too far-fetched that yeah. Taylor Swift writing a song for the movie based on the book based on the story. And it's like at the end of the day they have never been charged so like if you do believe in innocent until proven guilty like yeah. you you can't just be then cancelling everyone that's involved with this project because mm. no one actually seems to really know the true story yet. It sounds really really fucked up but Will we ever know is the question. And, like, I get people not wanting to support it because, yeah. you know, the whole chance. And also it's um, – I don't know if you can attest to this, Luce, but apparently there's some quite kind of degrading depictions of black people in this book. It's sort of – like, I didn't find it degrading when I read it or when I watched it, but, of course, I didn't because it's not mm. really my place to even say whether it was or not. The, the black people that feature in the book are the most gorgeous characters, mm-hmm. but degrading in the way that, yeah, they're always there to serve. Yeah. Um, they own a shop and they really help the Marsh Girl, but they're there to serve. And I did see that um, the one of the judges in the movie, I think, was named after um, one of Delia and Mark's cooks. Yes. And so it's like when you when you look more into it, hell yeah, it is degrading. Like if it was written by someone that maybe hadn't, had cooks in Africa. Like, I don't know. Like, when you know the backstory, it does taint the, the, the perception of it. Story. Like, you can't go in naive and just, yeah. like, kind of optimistic about yeah. the writer. Yeah, I think it also comes from the fact that they obviously have this whole idea that they're better than Yeah, the Yeah, it's well, just all pretty fucked up. Even the whole, like, we will come in, use your people, train your people. Mm-hmm. We will not – we will flee when shit hits the van, like yeah. you said. Yeah, it's not a good story, but it's a really, really, like, whacked-up story, eh? Yeah, like, really interesting, and, like, there's so much more to kind of uncover, and, like, all of the legal sort of shit that's going on, like, it kind of went a bit over my head, so if you know more about that stuff, it would be so interesting to go and read as to, like, what was illegal, what, how were they getting away with this, like, what actually happened there. Um, Yeah, there's a lot to... And creeds to Jeffy, who oh. went in there and uncovered this whole fucking this whole story. Fucking thing. And there's, yeah, there's actually a lot of good journalism on this. Mm. So would recommend that. Wow. I'm so glad we had this chat because that was fascinating. Mm. I know. I felt like I was like a proper journalist. Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> like the first time. Murder mystery. <laughs> a true crime journalist. This is yeah. a true crime podcast now. This episode will probably go number one in the charts. Yeah, everyone God. loves that shit. Oh, God, Liv. Is that all that you have yeah, to tell us all. on that? There's more, but that's all for today. That's all for today. Well, what's on your radar then? Jo? Okay, so I recommended Love Life last week. Yes. I recall. And then I've started watching season two, which is really, really good. And 
it was at the end of one of the episodes, there was a song by um, Aldous Harding, who's yeah. a New Zealand singer. Do, yeah. Have you listened to her before? A little bit, but not hugely. Yeah. Um, it's called Imagining My Man. I think it's like one of her second most popular um, songs. But, you know, when something comes on and like, obviously it's a Kiwi song, but it's on an American show. Yeah. And I was like, fuck, I know this song. Yeah. I love this song. And then I was like, yes, that's um, who it is. So go listen cool. to Imagining My Man by Aldous Harding. Um like, really beautiful song. Okay, I actually will. Yeah. Um, what about you, Liz? What's on your radar? I actually didn't have anything, but now I think it's Sabrina Carpenter's new album. I've already said this, Lizzo's new album, but I haven't listened to it yet. I need to. I think that might help me Phoenix again. Oh, absolutely. Once again. Yeah. Um, oh, and I got a Nintendo Switch. <gasps> in the week. Yes! So, oh my god, I read that this morning. I, I saw that in the newsletter. I was like, go, go. No, it was the most impulsive. Like, okay, so I've been thinking about it for a while. Yeah. Only because, like... I used to love, like, Club Penguin and Moshi Monsters and Sims and shit like that. And then I was like, oh, my God, I just need something that will take me off the internet. And stop you from learning and reading about everything. That's it. Because Hayden came home, one of our flatmates, and was like, what? You spend enough time on your screen, like, blah. And I was like, okay. Mm, gamer like you, what says the fucking no, what does he play? He was saying Rocket League. Rocket League. He was saying it in a nice way, but yeah. I was like, okay, hear me out. I spend my whole life reading or listening to stuff or watching stuff, but everything I do, I have to then write about or tell the people about. Yeah. And then I it's a heavy lift. I'm doing that now with Animal Crossing because I'm about to recommend it. <laughs> but um I got like flying on the switch is like no one expects me to tell them anything about this. No, yeah. It's like giving a Tamagotchi. Except for now, yeah. Except for now. <laughs> Except when for me I'm asking you about the Switch. But I got, okay, honestly, I'm a real bad, well, it kind of works for me, but I'm an impulsive, impulsive money spender. I won't spend it for a long time and then there's something I want. But you're good at, like, you know in your heart whether that's a good yes. purchase. Like, yes. I'd never be worried about you just buying random shit. Yeah. Like, you're... I know on my heart. Yeah. I love and You follow me. your heart. Yeah. I follow my heart. So I've got it. It's a Switch Lite. So it's just like a handheld one. It's baby yellow. And um, on my radar, I was just playing that and not giving you guys anything. Not I recommending anything anymore. Ever. No. Done. No more books. <laughs> Leave that to the Culture Vulture newsletter. Also, um, Everything I Need I Get From You, the One Direction fangirls book by Caitlin Tiffany. I've just started. And Is it good? Oh, you know I'm going to love it. Yeah. You know I'm going to Brings you back it. to your days on Wattpad. Oh, my God. Brings me back to my days on Twitter, my days on Wattpad, my days on Tumblr. The golden oh. years. That was when I was truly phoenixing. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Liv, all I really want to do is say, first of all, a big thank you to our sponsors, Part-Time Rangers, and to yeah, T.I. Head Butler, our wonderful producer, who learns so much every time we come to <laughs> no. I'm sure. <laughs> the random shit he's had to sit through. I know. I also want to please ask you to come and become a monthly or an annual Siska supporter so you can read Liv's wonderful, wonderful extension to this podcast, the Culture Vulture Newsletter. It's honestly the best. It's a joy to edit and then a joy to read. It's so fun. It's it's good, eh, Liv? Yeah, it's pretty good. Thank you. Thank you. It's It's fun. It's It's really nice to, like, take this chat and then kind of repurpose it but in, like, a different way. It's like like you're writing a story and I I do really like it. Yeah. So good. And I love the little personal bits that you can put in. Not that we don't get personal with y'all on here. And thank you to Liv. Did I already say that? Uh, No, you didn't, but thank you, Lucy. Um... It's always a pleasure being on mic with you and really, really nice to be back in the studio face to face this week. Good. And we're so gonna go better. record a big um, Love Island episode, which I can't fucking wait for. Oh the tea. The tea. Okay, see you there. See you on the Love Island pod, everyone. Bye, go everyone. Go, 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 go. Hold up. 
The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.